Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you have to be listening to us. Great Wide World brought together by the internet for the first time in 2022. Last three guys to do a podcast are back to ring in the new year with everything and anything that's going on in the world of Atlanta sports and the NFL at large, because that's where we like to talk about here. I'm John Morgo alongside Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown, calling virtually for this first outing of the new year. Gentlemen, uh, how was your... Christmas, you have a good Christmas, and uh, how's your New Year's going so far? Uh, the Christmas was great. Uh, New Year's is actually going well, uh, you know, despite the losses that we've had <laughs> to end the New Year. Oh, yes. Know, as far as uh, in the entertainment world, and then to begin the New Year, it's been kind of crazy. But other than that, man, uh, personally, it's been a great, it's been great. My son came home good um, from the Marines, and he just went back this morning, so... Um, shout out to him, Caleb Dennis. Uh, uh, he's now uh, first private Caleb Dennis now. So, um, shout out to him. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, man, yeah, it's and it's just been crazy. It's just been a crazy world in sports and in entertainment. Exactly. Well, of course, we'll get we'll get into all that. Leon, uh, how about you? How was your uh, Christmas and New Year's? Uh, Christmas been pretty good. You know, um, my mother definitely sent me. A whole lot of gifts, D-I-A-U-S-P-S. <laughs> talking about we're, we're talking um, fox fur um, bathrobe with the matching slippers. You know? Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Um, Somebody's fancy over there in in yeah. Cobb County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, New Year's. You know, I was actually in bed by eleven o'clock. Mm. I, I, it, it was more to me. You know, I I just didn't want to get out. I just didn't really feel all that comfortable for obvious reasons on just being around a lot of people. Sure. Right. Totally. So, yeah. So I, I just really just, um, stay in the house and, you know, I just went to the gym, came home, um, ate about two donuts and, you know, crashed. It, it, it was, it was over with, um, and, you know, I just, just was thankful for, you know, just being able to make it through another year safely. Um, yep. And you know that, that was about it. You know, I had a pretty very, I had a very pedestrian New Year's. Now, and I don't apologize about that either. By the way, no, not sure. at all. Man, sure. I had like maybe six people over at my house, man, for for the New Year, and, and that was my wife's family, my wife Kim's family. So that's that's just what it was for us. You know, we sat and we watched the national semifinals uh, with uh, Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Michigan. And I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about that later on as well. So, of course. you know, we, we uh, yeah, it's just a very pedestrian New Year's. Folks, we're still not over this uh, coronavirus thing. Like, let's not think that. And that's what has decimated sports right now. A lot of cancellations because of the coronavirus. It is still very serious out here. Yes, the Omicron variant, which appears to be highly con- more contagious than the others, but fortunately the symptoms aren't as bad. The symptoms are mild Correct. compared to the other ones. So it's putting people in an interesting position of how they want to respond, and I think people are still trying to figure out how they're going to respond, but uh, life waits for no one. So while they figure it out, uh, games go on. I was in Las Vegas with my parents for Christmas. Uh, I was actually supposed to come back the day after Christmas, but because of the first wave of Omicron plane cancellations, that my plane Sunday got canceled. 
came in first, uh, the red eye, or the first plane out on Las Vegas Monday morning, which left at about 9 o'clock Atlanta time, but 6 o'clock Vegas time. So I had to get up about 4 in the morning to make my way to the airport. Uh, got in, you know, that was actually fine. Had some time to actually get in and uh, take my time before I uh, had to get to work on Tuesday morning. And because of the whole virus, they wouldn't let me go in on Monday. I had to take a, a rapid response test Tuesday morning to mm-hmm. be cleared to work. And so that yep. happened. And then Friday night, got out a little early, went and had dinner, and then did what you get, did what you and Leon did, Daniel. Sat home, watched the Georgia game, then went to bed, and then all yesterday watching the cornucopia of bowl games that came on, uh, Notre Dame losing, Ole Miss losing, yep. and we'll talk about that, especially with the situation with Matt Corral. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. made interesting, and in light of the comments by Kirk Herbstreet going into the game. So, again, we'll talk about all that, but, of course, we're gonna, as usual, we're going to talk, start it off with the football action. Uh, of course, the Atlanta Falcons, they lost. We'll get into this in a moment because that officially eliminates the Falcons from playoff uh, contention, and it's a game not without its controversy. But I want to start in the Meadowlands where Antonio Brown might have sealed his doom as a National Football League player, at least for the foreseeable future, when he basically threw a tantrum on the sidelines of the Meadowlands and stormed off the field, took off his jersey, threw it into the stands, went into the locker room, and not sure what he did after that. I assumed he grabbed his uh, street clothes, changed, showered, and left. But according to Bruce Arians, he is no longer a member of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is a very interesting situation because we knew that Antonio Antonio Brown was on his, excuse me, his last shot as a full-fledged National Football Leaguer after everything he's done. And uh, Tom Brady vouched for him. He's actually staying with Brady to try and keep an eye on him. But for some reason, this, and I can't really think of a better word for it than tantrum, uh, this probably spells the end of a once-promising career undone in the National Football League. Yeah, I think probably is a light word. I think he is done, John, Leon. Um I've never seen anything like it before. I mean, I've seen players uh, throw tantrums. I've seen them, you know, on the sideline, they're by rate. But you don't quit during the middle of a game when your team is down by as much as they were down there. And, and down for And kudos to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kudos to Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. They held it together against a, 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 a hapless Jets team who – it's in the middle of a rebuilding stage. They can't beat anybody. So it, they have a chance to beat the defending Super Bowl champions, and they can't do it. And Tampa finds the edge. They find a way to come back and win this football game. They were down 24 to 10 at one point of time. And coming out of the locker room, Antonio Brown takes off his jersey, chucks it in the audience, does a little dance in the end zone. It's pathetic. It's it, it it makes me sick to see something like that. Now, what what's the reason? Nobody knows. You know, I, I mean, some people would probably say, hey, man, he's, he, he's probably giving up football and probably need to. Well, yeah, he does. I mean, if, if that's the case. But, man, don't give it up like that. 
That's not the way you go out in the National Football League. Elite has been pretty good to you, and you've been pretty good to it, especially in your Pittsburgh day. Mm-hmm. Because we all know when, when healthy, when his head is on straight, Antonio Brown is the best receiver in football. And it's no question about that. But you see, when you have antics like that, when it, I could, I, I'll, I'll never forget Kevin Hart saying on the Breakfast Club one day, um, he was talking about Cat Williams. You know, him and Cat Williams are having a bit of a personal beef. And Kevin Hart said, You were the guy. You had the opportunity. You were the guy. It's the same thing with Antonio Brown. Now, you know, that, that could be the opinion that you have of Cat Williams. Okay, fine. Not to say that I agree with it. But in this case, Antonio Brown was the guy. He was the guy. They gave him the ball, and off the field, he dropped it. He dropped it off the field, and and it's clearly showing here. Like I, I don't know what was it. That's that's equivalent to me saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to hang up this phone right now." Right. And it or, and or he was... we're live in studio. I'm going to walk out of Leon's house right now after driving 30, 45 minutes up to your studio, <laughs> up to to your house, Leon, and just leave. <laughs> and he, it, it, you know, he was so close to several performance based milestones. If he got like eight more yep. catches, he would have banked a third of a million dollars. And, and it was yard. You, you think Tom receiving you, you yards? Tom all Brady of that. Wasn't looking for him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You, you think Tom Brady wasn't looking for him when he came back last week? He was Tom Brady's favorite guy. He had ten catches last week. So what was said on that sidelines? I don't know. Yeah, I think we gotta wait. Yeah. I think it's gonna unfold by Monday, like tomorrow. With oh yeah, the like, coming out. Yes, yeah, within that definitely coming out. And guys, I, I just believe that. You know, as much as of a diva Antonio Brown is and as ridiculous as his antics may be, mm-hmm. we have to remember a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who did the unthinkable. The unthinkable. During perilous times, did the unthinkable. I mean, exposed people to Possible fatal consequences, possibly. He got suspended a game. Maybe two. And I, I don't think what Antonio Brown did was, well, I think it was egregious, it was ridiculous. It was very distracting. It was at a horrible time you know, when your team is down. You know, and kudos to the Buccaneers for coming back. And Bruce Arians, I believe in his emotion, said that, you know, he's no longer a Buck. I, that, that's up to ownership to, and if we know anything about, um, well, he's no longer a buck. Yes, they you released him as soon as that happened. Yeah, they released him as soon as that happened. Oh wow! I, I, see, I, see, I, he did this. See, the, the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown is that Aaron Rodgers would come out in, in public and he's, he would do it off the field. But if, if Aaron Rodgers put that Green Bay uniform on, he's playing all four quarters. Brown didn't do that. Brown quit in the middle of a football game. Yes. Where your team, where you were possibly needed for it, uh, uh, to help win this game, and some guy, and I have to look his name up, catches a game-winning touchdown. It could have been you. You could have been that guy. 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that, that was, I mean, it was so ridiculous. I never heard anything like that before. No, I, I've heard no, it. None of us have. No, none of us yeah. have. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it on a home game. Because now you've got the incredibly awkward situation of taking mm-hmm. an Uber back to the hotel, getting your stuff, and flying back with your team, allegedly. Or if I mean, someone said, "Hey, you know, make him right, make him go on Spirit Air or do something," but because you know he's in he's in New York, all his stuff is in uh, Tom Brady's guest cabana. I can't. I can't. You think he's on some type of? Uh, maybe he might be messing with the narcotic. I no one knows, but I'm sure no we'll knows. find something. Well, I'm sure as you, you're right, Leon. This the whole thing will come out in the wash eventually. Somebody, right. somebody will talk to him or talk and get that solution. Someone is gonna, someone's gonna squeal. And if I'm, if I'm Aaron, if I'm Antonio Brown, I'm calling Shannon Sharp first thing in the morning and mm-hmm. explaining my side of the story. Right. I've heard people on Facebook. I've seen some. I've been several groups too, several football groups. They want to contribute it to he. This is could be an early onset of CTE. I'm not saying that that's what that is. I'm not going that far. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even go that far. Yeah. With that, you know. And listen, Antonio has been fed up with the league and its rules and how they operate. He it, he's been fed up with that for a while now. But it's like that old cliche. It's like this was said. At the end of the day, if you keep having if you keep having failed relationships then at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself. Right. Why is it that every relationship that you've been in, you've been released? There's an, there's an, with, yeah, there's an old saying. If, if, everyone, if everyone around you, if everyone you work with is an a-hole, odds are they're not the a-hole. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. You had the opportunity. The best player to ever play this football game brought you in, had him live with you. I'm sorry, had you live with him. Right. You guys get close. He gave you a second chance at something that I I would have killed to to get paid for. Mm-hmm. To catch a football. Right. I mean, to play football, you're getting paid millions of dollars and here you go. And and yet again, you squandered the opportunity. You played with four teams. And all four of those teams had a problem with you at one point in time. Yes. You have to, at one point in time, you have to look at yourself and, and say, why am I accountable? You're not the victim. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what needs to be said to him. People around him need to just grab him and say, "Hey, what's the problem?" Even OJ Simpson is calling him out. Yeah, and if OJ's calling, if OJ's calling you out, you know something's wrong here. Something ain't right. Right. Oh, and 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 Daniel, to your point earlier, it was uh, the person who caught that game-winning touchdown for the Buccaneers was a player named Cyril Grayson, who apparently took time off from his day job as a as an archaeology professor at Harvard to uh, to be wide receiver for Tampa Bay. Crazy, yeah. And he scores the game-winning touchdown. 
next man up. Exactly. If, if you want to get that opportunity, like I'm looking at highlights right now. I'm looking at the red zone and I'm looking at this young man by the name of Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. who who to me, I think is is just he he's out there having fun doing it. This, this kid had 11 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns a day. Helping the most, Cincinnati Bengals clinch the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Most ever, ever as a rookie, we're talking better than Randy, Julio, Jerry. We, he, we've never seen this done. And he just broke his college teammates' record that he set last year. Justin Jefferson, his best friend. That's one of his best friends. He just broke that record, that single season record. But you see, it's stories like that. And make you wonder, like, man, what what happened? Antonio Brown could have been a first ballot Hall of Fame. And now first ballot Hall of Fame. And now he's a first ballot nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, so it's a big issue for Tampa. It gives them a distraction. They don't need heading to the postseason. Fortunately, Tampa really has nothing to play for right now. They've got the divisional crown. Uh, I don't think they're going to get the top seed. If I'm Bruce Arians, I am sitting Tom Brady next week in a meaningless game against the Panthers. You got that. You're not going to catch the, as I said, you're not, unless you're in contention for that number one seed, and I don't think they are. I think Green Bay pretty much has that sewn up. So I'm sitting a lot of people next week in that in our week 18. There was, you've seen a lot of TV ads for calling it the season finale. Yeah. Like the season finale well, of Fansville. I mean, it's. I know. Where, I know the NFL is being marketed as entertainment more as it is sports, but this is really kind of crossing the line when you when you when you call it that way because it's not really the yeah. season finale for about twenty for about uh, seventeen teams. It will be, but really, it's when things start getting interesting and you get the NFL playoffs. That's kind of well, what, that's kind of where we're going right now. So. To uh, to uh, actually piggyback off of Green Bay and Dallas and everybody clinching um, divisions and all of that stuff. Um, if Green Bay wins tonight, they clinch the number one seed. Okay. And yeah, yeah, because yeah, I don't, I, I don't think the Rams can clinch it at this moment, but the Rams. Uh, the Rams haven't even clinched the division yet. No, especially with Arizona's faltering. Arizona kind of went downhill after their amazing start. But luckily for mm-hmm. Arizona, they did so well that right now even a total collapse and they're still in. I mean, they're in, they're yeah. in the playoffs. They went 3-5 and five after that 7-0 and start. They're still in at least as a wild card. they got a, still got an outside chance depending on what happens next week. In that final regular in that final regular season game, Arizona draws Seattle. Rams draw uh, San Francisco. In that final mm-hmm. one, San Francisco's no slouch either, eight and seven, and they're playing a playing a tight game with Houston right now. So ag- yeah. again, anything anything can happen in regards to how they this whole thing transpires. It's just that if the Packers win tonight against the Bears um, or the Vikings, I'm sorry, against the Vikings. The Vikings. They have nothing. The Tampa Bay has nothing to play for next week. Absolutely Correct. zero to uh, play for. And and the thing is, is that if Minnesota, New Orleans, and New Orleans lose, regardless of the situation, Philadelphia and San Francisco actually lock up those last two playoff spots. 
And from the looks of it, uh, that could happen because Kirk Cousins is in uh, concussion protocol and he's not uh, he's not going to play tonight. Okay. So they're going to be they're going to even be without him. So I don't even expect for the Vikings to unless they they give you a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. That's that's the best thing that the Vikings can do. Um, Philadelphia took a loss today to Washington. But again, that in itself doesn't really matter if the Vikings and the Saints end up losing. And what's making Week 18 really interesting, first ever Week 18, is that none of the games have been slotted as of yet. We're waiting to see what happens. I assume uh, we're going to have two ESPN games on Saturday. So Monday Night Football is going to get pushed to Saturday. There's another football game going on ESPN that particular Monday. So those NFL games will get pushed to Saturday. I assume NBC is going to get first draw. And um, trying to see uh, the joke I gave you guys last week was what game will they pick and why will it be Dallas Philadelphia? Uh, Right now, it looks like all the drama is going to get taken out of the NFC. So it looks like the AFC might get the might get the game. It would be something if the Bills play the Patriots. They don't. Bills play the Jets. Patriots play the Dolphins. Uh, The Bengals have wrapped it up. That's going to be one of the games. Bengals? Bengals Browns? No, the, oh. I believe. Well, the Bengals wrapped up the North, right? So yeah, yeah. that game is ill advised. No, the game that I think that that NBC should get is Leon's Chargers. I was just about to say that. Raiders. I was just about to yeah, say that. The game. Major, that, say that is a win in your end game. End yeah. game. Major playoff implications because the char- we will win. We will win today's game against the Broncos, which will knock them yep. completely from the playoff contention. Yep. And we will have the lowly Raiders. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a win in your end game. And yeah. stunt the Colts today and stop the Colts yes. from getting from, from clinching the playoff berth. Mm-hmm. So I, I the three games that I think that between ESPN and ABC uh, and the yeah, Sunday, NBC's the gonna night, draw it first, then I guess ABC would get the next two. I guess they'll get the first two games. Yeah, right. they'll get the fourth third game. But the three games, and I don't care how they put it in. I think it'll be Dallas, Philadelphia, because <laughs> they can't uh, help themselves. New England, yeah, they can't. New England, Miami, uh, because Miami th- that's playoff implications. Miami's still in the hunt, and uh, the Chargers and the Raiders. But I, I think Allen Chris should go out to, uh, and I believe that game's in L.A. No, it's in Allegiant. It's in Vegas. Oh, it's in the league. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Roll the dice. Yeah, exactly. Go to, They'll go definitely Vegas. go there. The, the Chargers have no home game. The yeah. Chargers have not played a home game in three years. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's be honest here. Yes. You know, but yeah, yeah. So they might as well go to Vegas. They, you know, they they got to win. Um, I think a very impressive victory today, in my opinion. And a very, I guess, not so good loss. But I am very, very, I, um, I want to use the word validated and verified. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that term a while. To, to the Tennessee Titans and Mike Tannehill for persevering through the David Henry loss. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry lost, DT, or DH, Derrick Henry lost, and beating the Miami Dolphins. 
to clinch their division. I didn't think they were, I think after Derrick Henry lost, I mean, after Derrick Henry went down, I, I thought they were cooked. They certainly were wobbling. And boy, yeah. give them credit for beating the Dolphins. The first team ever to win seven games after losing seven straight games. Yeah. First. Yeah. And, and that and that victory catapulted them to the number one seed because remember they beat up on Kansas City earlier this year. Who lost to Ben to the Bengals today? And and Tennessee could have the bye and do this without Derrick Henry. And guess what? Derrick Henry will be back. Yes. He's slated to come back for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If the Titans first off, if the Titans get this keep this number one seed, then they have to win next week. And well, they play State, either well, they Jacksonville or Houston. I can't remember which one, but it's one of the two. I think it's Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, they're yeah, they're going to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all they have to do is go in there and win, and they'll have their off week. But if they do that, and they did that without uh, – they haven't had a healthy Julio Jones, which we know we've seen the best of him in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't have your, your, your dog, Derrick Henry, and your defense has been struggling. Mike Vrabel should be coach of the year. Oh, yeah. Yes, Mike Vrabel. Then definitely. Nobody talks about Mike Vrabel, man. Mike Vrabel is a terrific head coach. Then nobody talks about him, but but he should be coach of the year if he can hold on to this one seat. And just because of all the things that he's looked at, all the things that he's been through, that guy should be coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm forced to. I'm forced to agree because he he had the he had the work in similar conditions that Nate McMillan did in India. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, like you know, play coaches like that, and to still keep your team in championship contention, which they are a once they get Derrick Henry back for the playoffs, and they can get some type of. Get some type of production out of your Jones, they're a legit threat to go to the football. Yeah, you know, I agree. You know, they need, they need to tighten some things up on their defense that's going into the playoffs. But they could be a legitimate threat going forward. Absolutely. Exactly. And we are the last three guys to do a podcast. John Morgan with Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown here, our first show in 2022, talking NFL action. We've just gone over the playoffs. So let's talk about a team not making the playoffs. Of course, the Atlanta Falcons. Although it's a kind of a, I guess you can kind of call it a success that the Falcons were knocked out so late in the season. But guys, this is where the Falcons got a bum rap from the NFL, especially on Matt Ryan's touch apparent touchdown that wasn't a touchdown uh at the end of the game if you haven't seen the clip falcons uh were trying to score ryan takes off goes to the end zone tries to dive into the end zone unfortunately two things happened first of all he was ruled that he was he quote gave himself up which i assume they meant he was sliding which would have put him short of the end zone. And secondly, or thirdly, or no, secondly, he was called for taunting. And thirdly, mm-hmm. he was hit as he went down in the end zone. So the Falcons, I'm just not sure how the NFL referees came to this particular cl- conclusion. He was going into the end zone. His momentum took him in the end zone. And mm-hmm. even if you want to say, okay, he He's short of it. 
why not give him the why not give him the the benefit of the late hit and why on earth are you calling a taunting penalty on him even though if he was in the end zone no taunting it just it's this call in the snow in buffalo it just doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense story of the yeah. Falcons season this year yes that that, yeah. that right there is a microcosm of the Falcons season yeah I mean, it just and it overshadowed a great day for Kyle Pitts. He is the new Atlanta rookie rec, uh, record holder for receiving yards, total receiving yards, beat Julio Jones's record. Um, so congratulations to him. And Falcons played inspired in their in their game in the frozen tundra, the frozen wasteland of Orchard Park, getting a safety on a uh, muff punt. Scoring, getting some touchdowns, but this is going to leave a kind of a bitter pill in their mouths, and I just wondering, you know, as I said, what was the rationale behind all of this? And I'm sure Arthur Blank and Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith, very diplomatic in his pre, in his uh, post game press conference, didn't say much, knew he didn't was holding his tongue, didn't want to get fined, didn't want to really get in trouble, but. There has got to be there's got to be some sort of explanation to what to what just happened. And you know what? I didn't think about it until you said it, John. Yeah, Matt Ryan did get hit when he was down. Yes. And I mean, you can't um, have it both ways. And it seems like no matter which the the Falcons, you talk about getting the short end of the straw. It's like every end is short. I mean, yeah. and, and it's really, it really is a strange play. It's a strange rationale, and I think the Falcons deme- should, there should be answers to be given out. And I think the Falcons should demand the league, give them some sort of explanation for this. Yeah, I think so. And and, and then you, you give them 15 yards, and, and that score could have given, uh, uh, could have made it a, a seven-point game. And Atlanta's defense, we know how they play. They play off of momentum, mm-hmm. and we've seen them do it. And, and they, they played well to start. They couldn't stop Josh Allen's legs. But his arms, it, it, he really couldn't complete a pass. But the running game really took over, and that offensive line really dominated, like, at the uh, second half. But it, it's just tough. It, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, and it's like Leon said, it's a microcosm of, of what we've seen uh, from Atlanta this year. Um, and really, if you want to get really technical about it, guys, we won when we got when we lost to the Eagles, thirty-two to six. We were eliminated from the playoffs then. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you want to put it that way, because it was so close going down the stretch, one one or two games separated us from Philadelphia. And they'll probably be back in the playoffs, regardless of their loss today. But um, also, I mean, there there were some bright spots this season. I know the season's not over yet, and we still got those ain'ts next week. But when you, you look at Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, as John alluded to, is also uh, the first rookie tight end since Mike Dicta. In 60 years, took uh, go over 1,000 yards receiving. And if you're a tight end and you're in the likes of Mike Dicker, that's Hall of Fame status. 
because Mike Dick is one of the best tight ends to ever grace the football field. And uh, it, it, it's just tough. And he's a pro bowler, too, by the way. Calvin, we had two pro bowlers this year, a tight end and a long snapper. <laughs> it's crazy, right? So, you know, it's it's fun. It, it's it's okay. Um, but like you said, John, for us to be in that situation and for us to, to get eliminated at the second to the last week of the season, I don't think a lot of people expected us to even be in the playoff picture along that time. And that's that's what I'm impressed about. Yeah, I think the I think the Falcons are on that upswing on that upswing, but it's the same story, and I'm gonna keep saying it yeah, until it the Falcons uh, get it right because they haven't been able to get the line mm-hmm. figured out. Yes, and especially and you Correct. you talked about uh, passing. Well, they're in the swirling snows of Buffalo. It was snowing during the game. You're not gonna mm-hmm. have much of a passing game in those conditions. And we know right. it's it's going to be the ground game that's going to get you this victory. And the Bills, well, the Bills are used to that situation. So, of course, they know you take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Well, he's going to run with it. And he did it mm-hmm. to a lot of a good effect. And the Falcons, of course, that's another issue with the Falcons. They don't have that established running game. They don't have a, you know, well, they do with Correll Patterson. And Correll Patterson got in there and did and did something. But, you know. It's it all starts at the it all starts at the line. Matt Ryan again, another season that he's been running for his life, and you gotta yep. give this man some protection. And I we've been saying it year in year out. It's an old it's an old tired refrain. I'm tired of saying it. I'm tired of mentioning it. But it's the way the Falcons are. Get that offensive line. I don't care who that draft person is. You take the yep. best lineman on the board. Unless something really magical falls into your lap, but uh, but you know you gotta you gotta get that line figured out. And of course, this year was different because you know the salary cap contracted. Falcons didn't have as mm-hmm. much money to to spend in in that regard. So of course, okay, fine. But now the salary cap is going to go back to a kind of a normal level. Everyone's going to have money to spend. Get that line figured out somehow. This is true because we don't want to, you know, I haven't really been the biggest Matthew Stafford fan over the past 10 years. Well, not even, he hasn't really been, has he been lead 10 years already? Matthew Stafford, yes. I believe so. Yeah, well, over the, over, let, let's go over the, over the years, over the course of the decade. I haven't been the biggest Matthew Stafford. I thought Matthew Stafford was finished. All right. But it goes to show that if placed in the right circumstances with the right personnel around you, magic can happen. As we see with Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Um, Phil Rivers on his last years in the NFL was a twenty twenty man with the um, with the Chargers the last the, the, the last season. <coughs> I remember that vividly. <clears throat> um for those who've been listening to the show, I've complained heavy that year on Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers goes to a better situation in Indianapolis. 11-5. Finch's crew out. 11-5. Better personnel around him. Makes better things happen. I believe that Matt Ryan is still a great quarterback in his league. But 
he hasn't had the circumstances around him, like the person around him, to be able to maximize his potential. Either you have a declining Julio Jones, you have um, a undisclosed issue, really, a offensive line, a, a, a management team that refuses to fix your offensive line problem. We gotta wonder, you know, does Matt Ryan even want to go forward with the Atlanta Falcons? You know, like, hey, if you guys don't give me some help around, I might have to go go somewhere else. When and I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him. Either. No, no, but I don't think anybody would blame him. I think the, I think, and also remember, he's been absolutely vilified by this fan base uh, yep. for failing. And there was another point that someone that someone uh, rose, and I think I don't remember where I read it, but he was the first quarterback after Michael Vick, and we were still on a Michael Vick high. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people never forgave him for that. And of course, these and of course the Super Bowl meltdown fell on his lap, and again undeservedly. But you know, I think maybe you know, there's a part of me that thinks that Matt Ryan would benefit from a change in scenery. And uh, the fact is, though, Falcons don't really have anybody waiting in the wings. They don't have that secondary. They don't have that second person. Uh, so there. So and like and you unless you think you can get that quarterback in the draft, which or, uh, later in the draft, uh, I think you got to stay with Ryan, rebuild the line. That's what I think is the best way for the Falcons going forward. Rebuild the line, try to get a quality running back in free agency, and just you know, just try just and just kind of go at it that way, and maybe take a flyer on the on a quarterback in the late rounds. But I, I don't like I said, I don't see who that second quarterback's going to be. Now, question with Matt, the question with um, going into next week's game with the Aints. Again, nothing to play for. Uh, I Matt Ryan, is, Matt Ryan is in that Aaron Rodgers mold. He's a professional. He's going to go out there. He's going to do well. He's going to give it his all, depending on what's out, depending on the circumstances. He's not going to. He's not going to mail it in or anything like that. So, right. You know, yeah. Quite, he never would. He no, never, he never would, would do that because he loves Atlanta. Yeah. He loves this home. He loves this city. Mm-hmm. And regardless on what is said or what is said about him, that's the one thing you have to respect about Matty Ice is that he 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 will put all all the critics. He will put it all on his back. He put it all on his shoulders and say, this is on me. He will never point a finger at anybody else or he'll never bark back at any at any hostile fans or whatever. And all you hear is get rid of Matt Ryan, get rid of Matt Ryan, get rid of Matt Ryan. And guess what? He will still try to go out and be the constant professional. But you can ask anybody in the league. They, I heard Mark Sanchez say earlier, he is such a joy to talk to. Mm-hmm. But, but that's just the guy that he is. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Yes. He's done a lot for this city. He's, um, you know, he's... He- He's been a class act all the way around. You haven't heard anything negative about him. He hasn't embarrassed anybody. You know, he's he's been he's been great for this city, and I'm not argu- and you know not arguing that point. But 
you know, he's got to figure – he's got to think Atlanta – like I said, Atlanta's got to get things right on the uh, – on terms of moving forward. And I'm sure that as soon as this season's over, that process is going to start. Actually, it might even it, it, it might even start tomorrow. And if I'm mm-hmm. Arthur, if I'm Arthur Smith, I'm looking at that eight. I'm looking at that game as a kind of a test. I want to know who is going to be with me. I want to know who is going to be sticking around during the off season and who we're going to cut. And I'm using that final game as a litmus test to figure that out. I'm mm-hmm. looking at this game almost as exhibition week one. Right. I mean that's how that's how I'm looking at this. We all I'm I'm gonna take those people who are at the bottom of the bench, bottom of the depth chart, and I'm gonna stick them in there, and I'm gonna see what these guys can do. We'll see if the Saints have anything to play for. We'll see, and the Saints are kind of in the same position. They got to figure out. Well, they got to figure out first of all if Jameis Winston is the long-term answer. It seems to be they are. You know, Saints might need a quarterback. I mean, it got so bad with uh, Winston's injury, Hill's injury, that they reached out to uh, Drew Brees, say, "Hey, Drew, uh, do you, you mind coming back for a couple more games?" And Drew basically said, "New phone, who dis?" Um, you know, why Why would Drew do it? He's having a great life. You know, he's uh, commentating on NBC. He's playing golf. You know, honestly, Drew's like, I'm, you know, I'm, to- I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with my decision to hang it up. Um, so, those are the, so the Saints, you know, they, they're in a little bit of a quarterback quandary as well. Um, and if you look at the quarterbacks, you know, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, quality names up there we got to see what happened with Corral's leg injury that he suffered yeah. in the um, in the Sugar Bowl at Saturday night and we'll talk about we'll get to college football in just a fraction in just a couple of minutes as we wrap our show up but you know if I if I'm if I'm Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank and uh, Terry Fontenot I'm looking at that game as an audition for 2022 that's you know that's what I'm doing so, well, that's going to leave the NFL behind. So, again, college football. And to absolutely nobody's surprise, at least I wasn't surprised, Georgia-Alabama, the rematch, coming up January 10th. And okay. I gotta give, I'll give Cincinnati a little bit of credit. They held the vaunted Crimson Tide offense to under 30. I think that's a victory for Cincinnati. I don't think any of us really gave them a chance to get out of there with the game. And while their offense couldn't make hay, the defense certainly did in limiting the Tide to, as I said, less than 30 points. And when Georgia got up over Michigan, I think they scored those two touchdowns in the first quarter. No surprise that uh, Georgia kind of just relaxed or that Georgia would uh, send Michigan by the board so another year another all sec final and i don't think i'm not surprised i'm surprised by the by the uh by the way that both teams did it actually um well first first and foremost like you said john give kudos to cincinnati the score was 10-3 at halftime yes and cincinnati's defense had held service but then Nick Saban, who who was the best in-game adjusting coach I think I've ever seen in, in history, 
just went back and told his team. Uh, it's funny because I remember when my son was my oldest son was in high school. He was playing soccer for mm-hmm. elite scholars, and we went up to Athens Academy, and it was the first round matchup against Athens Academy, oh, yes. who were the I think they were the number one team in the state in Class A, and the score was tied at one at halftime. And all I said to myself was, "Man, they are playing." lights out but i bet you that coach went into that locker room and told them uh y'all are y'all are y'all are looking bad against a team that just started their soccer program that year that they went to the playoffs they had just started their soccer program first year in existence they're in the state playoffs and i'm pretty sure that head coach said that it's like Nick Saban. i'm pretty sure nick saban said guys this is cincinnati and 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 I respect Cincinnati, but he sees something in their team and says, I don't think y'all playing well. I don't think y'all want it bad enough. I don't know. Maybe if y'all looking ahead until uh, until Georgia, but how can you look ahead to Georgia and Georgia ain't even played yet? Exactly. Saban had to say something to that effect. And I believe he did. I believe he did. I mean, and, and when you look at Georgia, I was stunned at that. But Georgia was angry. Mm-hmm. That is an angry football team. Now, are they going to be angry next Monday night? We'll see. Go ahead, Leon. I mean, Robinson the second. Robinson? Is it Robinson the second or third? The third. That's what that was. This young man. It's like the Alabama. Like I, I, I was watching the game. Alabama had the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Come back, Alabama still has the ball. Oh, Brian Robinson. Yeah. Brian Robinson the third. Yeah. They had the ball for the, almost the whole sec, almost the whole first half. This man was at a hundred yards because you know Cincinnati are great great defense. I believe the whole year, even though I, I you know they they've held teams to like one hundred thirty seven yards per game this year. Mm-hmm. Alabama had that already wrapped up with six minutes left in the first half. Yeah, and Robinson rushed for two hundred and four yards in the game. Man, it's like they were. It's like Cincinnati's offensive line was. I mean, it's like their. It's like it's like their defense. It's like Cincinnati defensive line was helpless against Alabama. And I know though the score was just ten to six and a half. My dad, this one is going up. They're, they're, they're going to play this. They're 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 just completely dominating Cincinnati's line in the trend. Alabama's dominating the trenches. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I felt like it was a, something I saw on Instagram where uh, it was a lion and a lioness. They had a baby gazelle, <laughs> and you know and they were just playing with the food. And the gazelle actually tried to get away, and then that's when the, the lion grabbed him by his neck. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna grab him by the neck at the end of, at, in, the, in the second half, and sure enough, they did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like the Georgia game. Like, well, really, the the difference between that game is that Alabama and Cincinnati was close. That Georgia game, it was never a doubt who was the better football team. And I think I was a bit stunned at that because I think going into that game, you you saw, well, first first and foremost, I saw what Michigan had did to Iowa, and they were on such a high. Jim Arbor finally got that monkey off of his back. 
was able to to get that Big Ten championship, beat Ohio State, do this and do that. And then you get here in this national semifinal, and maybe it was a a, a bad matchup for them, but Georgia didn't look – Georgia, what, what I'm impressed with the Bulldogs is that Kirby Smart and his team and his entire staff and his players, they wanted to let everybody know that that team that was out there against the Alabama Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game is not the team that you think they are. Mm-hmm. We are still one. We still have one of the best defenses in the country, and we can still make that happen. And that's what, and, and that's what I believe. And they they knocked Michigan out. They they knocked them down in the first round, and they stayed on them. It, it, it they it wasn't even close. That game was not even close. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. Like I said, as soon as they got on the 14, nothing is. It was like, okay, that's it. Game over. Uh, what else is on? T- what else is on TV? And of yep. course, both both games being that way, of course, it garnered arguments for and against expansion. I think expansion is inevitable, but as long as it's it's. But the problem with college football is it it's so obvious who the two best teams in the nation are. And yep. you put them, and it, you want a good game, but you're going to have to have at least some level of parity. And right now, we just don't, between the top and the rest, and right now, we just don't have that. We've got the cream, and then we've got the crop. If you could eliminate, yep. the, cr- if you could eliminate the cream and just have the crop, that's fine. You'll have some good games. I think last night's uh, Utah and Southern Cal game is testament to that. That was a great mm-hmm. game. That was an absolutely unbelievable game last yesterday in the Rose Bowl between the Utes and the Trojans. And that's everything well, and that Ohio college State, ball should. Ohio State. Ohio State. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Utah and Ohio State. That was a great game. Yeah. Between Utah and Ohio State, the Buckeyes and, and it the was. Utes. It was. That was everything that's right with college football. And you're trying to get that everywhere. And so unless you can find some way to make to bring the crop and the cream together, you're just going to have more semifinal blowouts like we had Friday night. And that's why people say, well, the but it's kind of going and that's kind of going into what Kirk Herbstreet was saying, because remember, Ohio State had 24 people for various reasons opt out of the Rose Bowl. Yep. Now, this is the Rose Bowl. Woody Hayes is spinning in his grave. Oh yeah. Because of that, I mean, th- all of the other coaches are too. But I, I say, I, I say Woody because you know, for Ohio State, the Rose Bowl is the apotheosis is, is is where their season always goes. But uh, uh, yeah. But yeah. now it's not. Now it's the ship or nothing. So, and that's why they backed out. That's why they focused on their NFL draft prospects. And that's why Kirk Herbstreet used his platform to kind of go after him. Now, Matt Corral, he decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to play with my team. I love my team. I'm going to play with them in this game against Baylor. And he suffered a leg injury. I haven't really heard the status. I think he'll be fine in ter- for NFL week one. And I don't think it's going to affect his draft status 
that much. But it's yeah. certainly a risk if you're if playing for that. But, it, you know, that it's yes, the Bowl Championship Series has greatly changed college football. Yes, the NILs have greatly changed college football, and it's not the sport that it was when we were growing up. Whether or not that's good or bad, I don't know, but it's like everything, it's evolving. And I, I just don't know if uh, an expansion would help or hurt because, you know, like I said, Rose Bowl was great, and I just, uh, in the semifinals were blowouts so I, I don't I, I just don't see how we're moving forward from that yeah yeah well uh, again I'm John Morgan with uh, Leon Brown Daniel oh another thing uh, before we before we get on our final topic um, I want to make one thing one thing clear um, Alabama and Georgia yes but the problem with this is you're not you're, with Alabama you're really not playing Alabama. You're playing Nick Saban. And yes, yeah. <laughs> he's not out there playing, but his fingerprints are all over everything. Yep. And that's the thing. So it's it's not you're not playing the tide, you're playing this one man. And he is in your head cuz you know he's the best coach around and you know he's going to find some way to win the ball game. So until they until they find some way to divorce the two, to focus on the team and not the man, you know, Al Nick Saban and Alabama are going to live in their heads, and you got to yep. like Alabama's chances in 10 days. But, of course, we'll talk more about that once we go into the hype of the game uh, next week's show. And, of course, we'll have more on the NFL. So the playoff race will be in clear focus and when we come at you next week. But right now, again, we have about a couple minutes remaining. And... Uh, there was a, of course, John Madden, Dan Reeves, uh, passed away. Dan Reeves passed away uh, yesterday morning, and uh, Coach Madden passed away earlier in the week. And I feel like Coach Reeves kind of getting short shrift in this because uh, everything today has been all John Madden because uh, he has, of course, revolutionized this game in many different ways. A colorful, larger-than-life personality seemed to enjoy everything that he was doing and all Dan Reeves did was uh, set the record for most Super Bowl appearances as a player and coach nine and he's two and seven in those appearances and Dan Reeves not in the Hall of Fame 10th leading 10th 10th winningest coach in National Football League history and he is not in the Hall of Fame he made the Atlanta Falcons respectable Remember, this franchise was a laughing stock before Dan Reeves came and got us into that first Super Bowl in 1998. I mean, this was a team that just could not get out of its own way. This was Jerry Glanville run and shoot. Uh, Glanville, who was the Bill Veck of the, of the NFL. Uh, but Dan Reeves made it respectable. He made Atlanta a football team and, uh, to be honest, a football, a football city. With that Super Bowl victory, with that Super Bowl appearance in 1998, of course, it didn't go the way we wanted it to, Eugene Robinson, but he was the one who made, who put Atlanta football on the map. He's from Americus, so he's a local product anyway. Uh, 
definitely a great a great person and a great coach, great human being, and hopefully that uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame will figure that out and get him in there po- posthumously uh, because I, he definitely deserves that. Of course, John Madden, what can you say about John Madden? He lived life large. He enjoyed everything. Um, he's the only man to call game for all four broadcast networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. He called for all four of them, and he's the only man yep. to do so. And I, that is one record. I don't think that that's not going to be broken. He's going to keep that. Uh, the guy radiated football. He probably made the NFL the juggernaut that it is today. And I think all of us owe some debt to the late John Madden. And I'm going yeah. to um, let, let you guys take it because I need to get something. I'll be right back. Yeah, um, I, I agree with, with John, especially – uh, Leon, I'm gonna talk about Dan Reeves' uh, first uh, six Super. It was a lot of Super Bowl appearances he had. Uh, I know he won two as a player under uh, Tom Landry uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he went to I want to say three Super Bowls. I believe it was. I have been three or four Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos. I think it was three as a head coach, and he also took, of course, our Atlanta Falcons to our first Super Bowl in 98. Of course, we came up short against the Denver Broncos that year. Denver was the better team that year. They, they, in fact, they were the best team. And they were the, the, they were the defending Super Bowl champions. So, you know, that, that one was kind of an understood kind of loss. But he turned the franchise around. Um, and, and I agree with John. I think that he should be uh, he should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. 10th uh, all-time in, in wins as far as coaching goes. And and listen, John Madden, I've I've always said this about John. What me, you and 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 John do, what me, you and Morgo do, we're out here and we're calling games for Reinhardt. And you know, what I've been doing for the last 10, 11 years along with John Morgo, uh, calling these games, he's the inspiration behind what I I can only dream of being. Because John Madden just wasn't he just wasn't a guy who just bounced from network to network to network. John Madden set the standard of what a play uh, of what a color commentator and what a color guy is. He set that standard. And as a little boy growing up, I had always wanted to be the next John Madden. I've always wanted to, I, I idolized the man, you know, and it, and you know, it just wasn't the video games. Yes. That made him, that made him even bigger than that. If but, you're watching us on Facebook, I'm holding up my copy of Madden NFL 99. Exactly. Like that's, that's, that's what it, football, John Madden has football written all over him. He has his name written all over football, whether it's the video games, whether it's coaching. And remember, he still it has the best winning percentage of all time as far as coaches. And he coached from the time he was 32 and retired at 42 because yep. of his health. Yep. Like he was a young head coach. He was a young guy that started broadcasting. That's why he was able to do it for, for 
I guess he retired right. in 2008, which I, you know, I, I can't believe it's been from that long yes. from broadcasting yeah. since he since he retired. Went to the Hall of Fame in 2006 with Troy Aikman. Yep. Uh, hung on. I he, he and Pat Summerall were our childhood, basically. If if Pat Summerall and John Madden was at a game, you better turn. If they were at your game or they was at a game, you better hope that regionally you got that game. That, or if you that did was the game of the week. That was, that was the, the game big the game if those two were yep. there. They set the standard for that. Go ahead, Leon. Go ahead. I know you have some stuff to say. Hold on. Because I'm, I'm, I had to uh, – I'm looking at what John said in reference to, you know uh, – Hold on, I'm sending you guys a picture. It uh, mm-hmm. yeah, of of, of a very of a serious game that was um very dear to me. Hold on, one second, one second, guys. Hold on, I know this is. And funny. I know uh, right after right after he passed, I sent Daniel and Leon a link to a music video. Uh, Paul Simon's "Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard." Uh, that had a cameo by Madden at the very end, which I thought was f- funny because in the video he's trying to coach these playground school kids, trying to get them schooled the basics. He's got his whiteboard. He's doing all this stuff with it. It also features um, basically Bismarcky is in this video. Spud Webb, an unrecognizable Spud Webb, is in this video. He plays a ringer whom Paul kind of drags out. Uh, to start just play playground basketball with, and he's you know looking very tweetish. He's got the glasses, and then all of a sudden he starts dunking, and then he's yeah. Mickey Mantle's in it as well. But John at the end, he's trying to uh, gets his whiteboard. He's trying to diagram plays, diagram fundamentals for these kids, and they basically blow him off. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you guys take a text message. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, it's coming. It's still coming through. Yeah, it's coming through. Oh, there's the image. Hold on, I got to get to it. Oh yeah, 96. Yep, I see it. Yeah, Thanks. my first Madden game was not, well, actually Madden 94. I was in sixth grade. Mm. And, you know, that right there, you know, I remember that's the um the year the Chargers were like were like the best team in the game. Well, we went to the Super Bowl that year, or at least we went to the 94 95 season. Um, I learned I learned a lot about the game of football playing Madden. There isn't a broadcaster alive who hasn't gotten, I'll say, his start, who didn't start doing this by doing play-by-play on the mat. Everyone started it by practicing that way and getting hooked and getting the love of this job from that video game. And I think that is a kind of a unknown value to it because we all kind of got our start. No offense to, uh, I believe, Brandon Gowden uh, is now the voice, quote-unquote, of Madden NFL. But... uh, I think everyone just mutes him and starts doing it themselves and has fun doing it and basically learns the ins and outs of broadcasting through the video game. Yep. So that's how. So uh, rest in peace, coach. You'll be missed, of course, uh, bursting through the walls and the mill, uh, the bursting through the paper and the Miller Light ads, everything he does. He just seemed to have such a good time doing whatever he did and it was so infectious it couldn't help but rub off on people and that made them love the game that much more and i know uh daniel leon and i were done football until probably the pace academy spring game in a couple months but certainly we'll be pumped up ready 
I'm, I'm pumped up and ready. Yeah, again, we don't know we don't know when that will be, but it will be it will be in a couple months, and um, that'll be our next football assignment. And of course, we're kind of waiting for 2022 schedules to get announced, and it's still going to be a while, especially on the college level. Hopefully, we'll have a high school football schedule probably in a couple months. I know they're due at the GSJSA by March. They'll be dribbling out. So anyway, that's going to wrap us up. I'm John Morgo for uh, Daniel and Leon. Thank you so much. We hope you had a safe. Safe New Year, and the first week of 2022 goes swimmingly for all of you. We are the last three guys to do a podcast, and we'll be back. Again, you can catch this episode on replay on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, even where you get your least favorite podcasts. Hopefully we're one of your favorite and not your least. Anyway, appreciate all your help and uh, all your support, and best of luck. This has been the last three guys to do a podcast.